0: Hey Travelers, just stopping by to let you know that this episode that you are about to listen to is one of our older ones, and we were going through some growing pains at this time. But if you would like to start from where we consider our newest era of quality, I would go ahead and jump to episode 54, The American Bigfoot. Either way, enjoy Travelers. Here we are, part two of the Missing 4 and one episode. That's it. That was my intro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you, Derek.
1: Wow. Yeah, we just got to get the same enthusiasm we had before you ended everything on us.
0: I was so hyped up, too, and you took it away from me. I'll start it. I'll bring everybody in. I was laying in bed next to my wife doing editing of the last episode, and... I got a Skype call on my phone from Derek and I was like, what the, what is this? So I, I hit the FU button on it and I, <laughs> and I messaged him and I said, dude, what's up? What do you need? And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about, dude? And I was like, bro, you just Skyped me. What do you need? He's like, no, I haven't been near my computer all day, nor was I home. <laughs> I didn't Skype you. And I'm like, Oh crap, dude. So I went into my Skype gonna take a screenshot of my recent calls list. There was nothing there from you. I'm telling you because my phone just went off with that stupid Skype ringtone. And my wife even looked at me like, what are you doing? And it said it was from you.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, I wasn't home. So I was like, okay. And then I went home to go into the room that has my computer, my little studio here. And uh, my computer is like doing that, like refresh stuff. It's like, it's got a bunch of like
0: the pinwheels. So
1: like yeah, pinwheels and um, there's like a weird program up. So I was like, okay. So I like X out of the program and I went to Skype because you said that I called you and I don't have a call from or to you. So I was like, this is kind of weird. And so I went to the desktop. Everything's the same except for the fact that the 14 documents that I had for this episode, basically incriminating the FBI all gone everything's gone so i was a little Mm. freaked out i texted him i was like bro my shit's all gone i had 14 documents like all from the that fbi agent that like that killed himself like names and like everything that's involved i like it was stuff that i had to go to i had to google search stuff click on links go to another link go to another like it was i had to like do a whole maze and jump through hoops just to get to stuff like this And this is probably explaining why my camera light was on that time that I was doing the research. They were watching me ever since. And then
0: what else are you doing, man? What, what else are you doing?
2: (laughs) That's a great question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like on the computer. Nothing.
1: Yeah. Like nothing. Literally the only thing on this computer is Skype zoom because you use everything. And then 14 documents on, how the FBI is stealing these kids and then the game among us, but I don't even play that. So that's all there. Wait, do you play among us?
2: No. Oh, I do. I don't even know what it is. I want to get a group going, but you know, Uh, it's basically clue in space.
0: I think it's funny how they came in and stole all your stuff on a podcast that has like a total of 40 people. Listen to each episode. They know the
2: future dog. They they know that we're about to all it takes is one, one person. I guess, yeah. But you know, right. wrong the wrong person to know. But they're smart because if if they
1: get it before I put it out there, I'm I mean, i, I do not know. Cuz if I put it out there, then my name is out there, then people know who I am, so if I do disappear, they're going to know something's up.
0: <laughs> Unless we all get men and blacked.
1: So the the children are, so so are we, <laughs> we're about to get. But no, so I'm sitting here and I'm like freaking out. I I think I'm texting you at this time. I'm like talking and then I call my sister cause she's big into this government stuff. So I call her and I'm telling, I'm explaining the whole story to her, the whole nine yards and my roommate comes in and he's like, bro, were you on my computer earlier? I was like, no, I I just got home and came straight to my computer. He goes, well, a bunch of apps or a bunch of icons are moved around and a bunch of files are moved around and a bunch of programs are up. And I was like, shut the f- up. He's like, no, I'm serious. Like, were you on my computer? I was like, no. I was like, were you on my computer? He goes, no. I just got home. Well, so I was like, oh my god. And not only that, my cameras weren't working. It's strange. No apps are deleted. No pictures are deleted.
0: No, nothing. It's just those 14 files. I don't know what to say to you, man. It's strange. It's definitely strange. So last episode we left off with you complaining that you couldn't get out the Diane story. The Diane story. Yes, Diane Cox. I would love to talk about her. Let's start talking about Diane. So this
1: story has me a little freaked out. So Diane Cox is two years old. She's from uh, Butte, Montana, I believe. Uh, she was walking along with her parents. She was a few steps behind them, I believe the story was. She was carrying her like big white pillow, like a little two-year-old's only thing she could carry. Like the, the mom and the dad, I think she had a brother. They were all carrying like the camping gear. They turn around and she's gone. They didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything. So they immediately contact the park rangers and everyone's involved. There's a bunch of, I think there was a couple hundred researchers and search and rescue squads walking around. And then um, after, I think the second day, the bloodhounds had a specific interest in this, like this, this hill that is really tough to get up, get up on. So they had to use um, ropes and stuff to get up there. So they get up there, and there's a little game trail right there. And while they're walking along the game trail, they see rose petals. Like a little trail of rose petals. And there's no wild roses anywhere near. So they go up to the top, and they find Diane, alive, laying on her pillowcase.
2: Wait, you said the the pillow's gone, so it's just the pillowcase? Yeah, there's
1: just the case that she's laying on top of.
2: Hmm. Wow. What'd you say her last name was?
1: Diane Cox. Yeah. So the one thing that freaked me out was the fact that one, the rose petals that led them to her and two, the fact that she's still alive and in a spot that she really can't get to herself. Also the FBI did not take a statement from her. She said a bunch of things. They did not write down what they had, what happened to her. Uh, I think the only thing that they wrote down was the fact that she saw small cows or tiny cows, Meaning that she's either high up or I don't I don't know, but that also goes to the fact that like I'm not really mad that they didn't take a statement because she probably had no idea what was going on. She was dazed and mm-hmm. like really confused. Yeah, but where did her pillow go, and why were there rose petals, and where did the rose petals come from? He also stated that there's a like an exact same
0: case three years later, but did they happen to say if that other case was in the same area?
1: It was in the same area. It, it happened like there was a lot of similarities. Oh, the Montana missing girl cluster is what it's called.
0: That's something that word cluster that's a popular word in Missing 411. Interesting.
1: He goes on the scene of Butte, Montana, to the location of two girls who disappeared under remarkably similar circumstances.
0: In the Missing one books, they mention these things called clusters a lot, and what they are these hot spots of similar disappearances. Um, I'm assuming that the Montana missing girl cluster is exactly what it says. It's a cluster of missing females in Montana. This is a thing that happens in almost every region of of the country. There's these strange disappearances that are happening inside of the national parks. And a lot of them are very similar, eerily similar to each other. And some of them don't even happen in the same timeframe. Like some of them will happen a hundred years prior 20 years prior. Some of them happen within weeks of each other. Some of them happen within days of each other. There's no pattern to it all other than how the person is going missing, who the person is. So like missing girls who are under the age of 15, that is something that the clusters are, are pointing out. Other clusters that we're seeing are extremely in shape males that are hiking through the woods that are disappearing. And coming back very shortly after or extremely long after and being completely disoriented, not having any clue as to where they are or even who they are. It seems like if you look up the clusters of the missing 411, you're going to see that different regions of the state have multiple different clusters that focus in on a certain demographic.
2: I watched that missing 401 uh, documentary they said that one thing that they all had in common is they had some type of disability, whether it was something physical or like a mental thing. But they all had something. That's the kids, though. That's the the mm-hmm. one that's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just strange that that's something that they all have in common, though. Well, like he was just talking about that one two-year-old. Out of all the cases that I've looked up, there's been multiple where the kid was between two and four years old. It's crazy that they're all like around the similar age to or at least a large group of them.
0: So what do you guys think about the Dior story?
1: Oh, I 110% think it was Isaac, the grandpa's friend. He has a charge for like some kind of thing with the underage child before that was dropped to a misdemeanor, but that was
0: 100% him. He refused to talk. Let's catch up the audience, right? If you watch the documentary on YouTube, the main story in the documentary is the story of Dior Kuntz. Is that right?
2: Dior Kuntz? I can't remember his last name, but definitely Dior. He's a junior.
0: The main story revolves around Dior Coons. He's a young kid who is camping with his mother, his father, his grandfather, and his grandfather's friend. The mother and father came back from a shopping trip with little Dior. When they arrived, the grandfather and the grandfather's friend had fish on the fire. And the father said, where'd you get those fish from? The grandfather's friend said, I caught them out of the creek over here. There's like there's no way that you caught him from there. That creek's too small. So the father, the mother, the friend of the grandfather's, and little Dior started walking to the creek, not fifty feet away. By the time they were, they were halfway to the creek, little Dior turned around and went back to grandfather. Mom and dad kept eyes on him. Mom and dad went down to the creek to look at the fish. They found out that there's minnows in the creek and. The father went back to go grab little Dior to show him the minnows. You know, he's a little kid, he's gonna like seeing that. And he goes up to the grandfather and says, Where's Dior? And the grandfather says, Dior's with you. Come to find out, long story short, Dior's gone. The strange thing about it is that during the documentary, the mother and the father say that they go down to the creek with the grandfather's friend. They say that they're with him most of the time. And then it seems about three quarters of the way through the documentary, the mom comes out and says something along the lines of they were already down the creek and the friend came afterwards. But my question here, and Derek to kind of combat what you said, you think it was the friend. I mean, in such little time, how does Dior go missing and hidden? And nobody notices that the friend does anything with it? That's my question.
1: Where's the friend in this whole situation? Well, there's... He's not even mentioned.
0: Well, he's mentioned, that,
1: he's mentioned the entire time. He just told you.
2: He's not mentioned in the... When the... Well, was was he with the parents? He was just talking about that. The first part of the, the documentary, when they're talking about the whole situation, the friend is with the parents at the creek. They're never out of each other's sight. But then later on in the documentary, the mother says that Isaac came over after the parents went to the creek. That's what really happened. The, that's why jeremy's bringing this up is the time between them walking over there and isaac walking over there grandpa's friend is so short how could he have done anything in that limited amount of time
1: well i read a lot of the theories on this and everyone's
2: just saying it's another casey anthony
1: story because the way that their story changes up so fast their lack of emotion during the whole thing, even some of the friends came out and said that they wanted to like live their life partying and drinking and they didn't want the
2: liability of having a child. I think they're involved.
1: I don't, I don't think this has anything to do with
2: the disappearances that we've been talking about. I think this is. There's no hard proof. Either way, there's no hard, for, yeah. But right. I mean, it, if they did something with the mother, called 911, and the father called 911, within 40 minutes of him going missing or them noticing that he was missing, like Jeremy said, originally he was with the parents, but then he went back to go stay with his grandpa while the parents went to the creek. And the parents were no more than 50 feet away from their campsite the whole time.
0: It's simple like this, right? To me, this sounds like it's either a cat, this just screams the cat. Like some mountain lion came and took the kid, poor kid, you know, just a terrible way to go. Or we're not getting all the information. And even the detective that was attached to the case said he doesn't think that all the information is coming out. Parents are hiding something, which could very well be the case. Guaranteed. I'd have to say that comfortably, if I had to choose my opinion of what happened, it's between either the parents doing something to the poor child or... A cat, unfortunately, but I agree. I, I was kind of curious as to why that particular story was in the documentary at all. And then not only was it in the documentary, but it was the main story. It's so unlike anything else in Missing 411.
2: I don't know. It does have similarities to all the other cases, being that the campsite that they were at backs up to a national forest. It's right on the edge of it and how the child supposedly went missing With adults watching him, he was there. And the next thing you know, he's not. I think that's part of why it was there. But I'm less uh, inclined to believe it was the parents because the way I look at it, there's always evidence of foul play. If the parents don't want the kid anymore for whatever reason, why they would want that, who knows. But in most cases, there's evidence of it. I have to believe that their local police force did an adequate investigation. What is the parent's motive? what what did they do with the body they had search and rescue out there that same day maybe he never went with them
0: that's a good possibility too the grandfather his memory's not all there he didn't seem very cognitive the parents even mentioned that he had issues remembering or focusing on things it's a sad and strange story but absolutely I just don't think that it it doesn't have the same strangeness as the rest of the cases.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. It does stand out from the rest a bit, but it does have a lot of similarities if it is true. Well,
1: since we're not going to come to a conclusion on that one, I got a case that's going to
2: kind of freak you out
1: or you might have an idea of what happened to him. Cool, man. This is the case of Alfred Bailhurtz. This was July 2nd, 1938. Him and his family decided to go camping within the Rocky Mountain National Park. Him and his family were fishing at the time, and then as they left, they noticed that Alfred had fallen behind a little bit. That would cause them to do a 10-day search throughout the region to find him, but he never found. July 3rd, another couple, six miles away, had looked up to a place called the Devil's Nest, which also has a lot of disappearances at it. They looked up, they saw a little boy standing up there, and the little boy uh, seemed to be making sounds.
0: Can I interrupt you just here for a second? I know what story you're talking about. When I heard this story, I can't remember where I heard it, but the couple who was hiking said that it sounded like he was chatting with somebody. He was way up there, like way above their head on a sheer cliff.
1: I looked at pictures. There's no way this man, this kid got there himself. It is a, the steepest. You're going to need gear and 20 years of experience to get up this. Thing. Yeah,
0: like you have to rock climb this thing.
1: But the, the thing that got me the most was he's standing up there, either talking to someone, yelling to somebody, something. And while he's making these noises, he just gets yanked that nobody's touching him or anything. He just gets thrown back and dragged away. Is yeah. what They said they saw.
0: I've heard this one. The couple said that they seen a kid making noise up on top of the cliff and they remembered that there was a missing kid there and they were wondering if that was him. And they were calling out to him, and the kids seemed to be conversating with somebody behind him or something behind him. And they didn't really see him very well because most of his body was blocked by the the rock that was in front of him. He seemed to have gotten yanked from behind, just like you said, but they didn't see anything behind him. And it's not like there was any bush or brush behind him. It just seemed like he got yanked by nothing, just pulled back off the cliff.
1: It wasn't a cliff behind him, so he didn't fall. So the fact that he just got yanked back, that's kind of leading more towards the paranormal side of this, in my opinion. That, that, that is uh, fairly creepy. <laughs> or Bigfoot. But he, there's nobody in sight, so what, did they throw a lasso? you he throw a lasso around him and yank him no,
0: back? No, no. Come here, kid. I mean, how, how old did you say he was? He was four. Four. So let's think about it, right? I'm a Bigfoot guy. I like to talk about Bigfoot. So, if most of this kid's body is being blocked by a rock, let's say a Bigfoot took its big old crazy hand, grabbed him by his waist, and just chucked him backwards, it would look like he got pulled back by nothing. And I'm sure a Bigfoot hand can grab a little four-year-old by the waist and just yank him back.
1: So, you say that we need to
0: mine out Devil's Nest because maybe their nest is in there? That's where they live in? So, I mean, there's a lot of these locations... Splattered all over the country where it's Devil's Nest, Devil's Creek, Devil's Mountain, oh, Devil's Ridge, and they say that all of these places, even Skookum Meadows, which means devil in the local native language, the reason why these places are called devil something is because
1: this says perhaps names to reflect evil people have sensed in places over time.
0: Well, not just that, but it was said that the Native Americans, instead of coming up with a name that for Bigfoot or Sasquatch, because they didn't have those names back then, they simply just used to call these creatures in the woods devils. And so all these places around the United States that are called devil something, if you talk to anybody that's really into Bigfoot, they all know the story about how these places and are thought to have been named after Sasquatch encounters from Native America. So Bigfoot, man, Bigfoot. (laughs) There's my woo-woo side coming out.
2: I mean, how else are you going to explain the kid being pulled out of sight? There has been one particular video
0: evidence of a Bigfoot crawling on its hands and knees, reaching up in infrared, grabbing an apple off of a stump and bringing it back to itself and crawling back out. There are stories of these things crawling. So like, let's say a Bigfoot was to be crawling on the cliff up there behind this kid, reached an arm up, grabbed him by his waist and just pulled him down. So moving on from one strange story to another, this particular story was on the documentary that you can watch on YouTube for free. This one centers around a kid named Keith Parkins and he disappeared on April 10th, 1952 in Ritter, Oregon. What happened with Keith was one day, I I don't, I can't remember the exact beginning of the story, but he was outdoors playing on a family property and
2: he had gone disappeared. If I remember correctly, he went out to the family's barn with his two other brothers because they had a, a new calf. And so they went out there while their mother was preparing dinner or whatever The mother called the kids to come in and the two kids came out, like, I guess, straight out the the one side of the barn that's facing the house. And then the mother asked where their brother was and they're like, oh, he went around the other side. So she was waiting, 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 expecting him to appear any second. And then he never appeared. So then she went out there and searched around and he was nowhere to be seen. He wasn't inside it. He wasn't around the barn. She ended up calling uh, for search and rescue to help her find him. That's exactly what happened. So
0: search and rescue efforts led to a field that was about two miles away from the house up on the ridge. And what was strange is that in the middle of the field, they found small footprints matching what would be the kid's size. It's human footprints in a shoe or a boot uh, in the middle of a snow covered field. No footprints coming in, no footprints coming out. And then five miles west of that field, a search and rescue participant found something in the snow, walked up to it, saw that it was the body of the child, picked up the the body and realized the kid's still alive. Oh,
1: shit.
2: Yes. Yeah, he was uh, stiff and cold, wasn't even wearing his jacket at that point. How long has it been? I think it was the next day. Yeah, I think it was at least 24 hours. And they said it got down below the 40s that
0: night a lot of strange things here right one the kid up and disappears two there are footprints in the middle of the field no footprints coming in no footprints coming out matching those of the child's three five miles away from that spot so you're talking a round trip of at least seven miles as the crow flies they find this kid
2: in the snow alive that's not even the weirdest part the direction that they found his footprints, the kid cut like a, a 270 degree turn from the direction from the house where they originally found his footprints, found him five miles from there. From what they said that the terrain and whatnot, there's no way you can actually just walk a straight line you know, as the crow flies. So they think that he probably ended up walking closer to 12 miles. And this is a, a 12 year old kid. And this was in the evening when he initially disappeared and it got below 40 degrees that night. He would have had to have been walking the entire time for him to have gotten that far. Walking through the middle of the night with no light whatsoever, walking through heavy brush, uh, mountainous terrain and whatnot. He was uh, scraped up, cut up a little bit from where they think he ended up crossing a barbed wire fence. But it's just insane that a two-year-old kid made it that far it's not like the craziest terrain in the world, but it's also not flat open fields either. I just found
0: the timestamps for the events. Keith was realized missing at noon on April 10th of 1952 and was found at 7 a.m. He was found at 7 a.m. on April
2: 11th, almost the whole day, 19 hours missing in the, in the freezing cold. I mean, he's lucky to have just survived the elements And the crazy part is no one believes that he walked that distance himself. Out of the entire documentary, this is the one that I thought
0: was the most intriguing. Two-year-old child. And I know in the last episode, we talked about birds. This story just screams birds to me. Big bird grabbed a child, flew him two to three miles to the the field up on top of the hill. Dropped him because he was probably trying to fight his way away from the bird. Dropped him. The kid took a few steps and was picked back up by the bird and flown five miles the other way until the bird finally just said, well, screw this and drop the
2: kid. Cut and dry. That's what makes sense to me. Didn't they mention birds in that documentary? I'm pretty sure they do at one point. Cause they, they do, they talked about uh, bald eagles being able to carry up to 30 pounds and I know that's something that we discussed in our previous episode. Bald eagles are massive. They gotta be able to carry 20, to 30 pounds and then sure enough in that documentary, they actually talk about it insane specifically bald eagles can carry up to something like 30 pounds and a 2 year old kid is only going to weigh between like maybe 20 25 pounds or something like that google says they uh, can only lift 5 pounds i'm actually i just to
0: google it myself it says that they can only lift 5 pounds so this brings up another cryptid anybody know who I'm talking about
1: oh my god
0: thunderbirds did a thunderbird snatch this kid There's many different theories about what a Thunderbird could be. Is it an oversized raptor-like avian creature, or was it a pteranodon? There's been sporadic sightings of pteranodon-like animals still in existence today, especially in more rural areas of the world. Talking about something, was it 52? So this was almost 70 years prior to now. Could there have been a, a lone pteranodon out there? It wasn't a bald eagle. If a bald eagle can only lift five pounds, a two-year-old's going to weigh more than that. Uh So uh, I'm not buying the bald eagle thing. But was it a Thunderbird? Was it a Pteranodon? It just makes sense that some gigantic flying animal grabbed this kid, dropped him up on the field, flew back up, did a U-turn as his kid was starting to run away, grabbed him again, flew five miles, and dropped him into another field.
1: Maybe a bunch of birds picked him up at one time, you know, distribute the weight evenly. They bunch pit birds picked him up, they dragged him, and then, you know, one bird got tired so they all dropped it.
2: You live for those gag reels at the end. <laughs> so, maybe it was a bird that can carry like a decent amount of weight, but maybe not that much weight, and that's why they found him or found footprints. But you also you got to think if a bird picked him up, there would have been more than just scratches. Predatory birds. You would
0: think there'd be like a talon mark in his shoulder or something?
2: Yeah. Talons, right? Because they're meant for grabbing and preventing whatever they're grabbing from slipping out. If a bird grabbed him, I would have to believe that there would be evidence of claws grabbing him. Like He had some like scrapes on his face, whatever, and his clothes or his pants were torn a little bit. But they said that was easy to explain by the barbed wire fence he would have had to pass at one point. Um, but like he he didn't have any major physical injuries.
1: Why couldn't this be a wolf or a cougar or a coyote?
2: Well, again, where's the evidence to show that one of them grabbed him?
1: Well, if if we can't determine that an eagle did it.
0: They said that it was snowing out, right? You would see the the paw Mm -hmm. prints of a coyote or a wolf. You would see dragging. You would see blood. You would see a ton of different
2: things.
1: Well, if it was snowing out, all that gets covered by snow.
0: But it wasn't snowing. There was just snow on the ground
2: yeah so that's also why we're talking about it is because it's one of the stories that is not easily explainable it's very strange circumstances that this kid disappeared under and the fact that they found him as far away as they did being two years old doesn't make any sense either
0: you know what doesn't make sense when i was thinking about whether or not a bald eagle can pick up a child i was thinking birds the reason why they can fly is because they have hollow bones, very light compared to their, how much body you can see from the outside. They're extremely light and that's why they're able to fly. I was going to say their power to weight ratio. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know, if you, if you threw a, a 30 pound two-year-old or whatever, a two-year-old weighs on top of that, I, I don't know if an Eagle is going to be able to carry it. It just didn't make sense to me. They're built that way for a reason. Picking up fish is one thing, small rodents and other small critters, but picking up a twenty pound, thirty pound, two year old—I don't know—it just sounded weird. But you're right; I think they did say that in the documentary.
1: I don't think it's out of the realm because I—I know a couple people that have lost their small little Pomeranian. How much does the Pomeranian weigh? A couple pounds. Oh, seven pounds. Okay, I'll. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, a bald eagle would take that thing and eat that thing as a lunchable.
1: I know two guys that have lost their dogs because of, the, of an eagle.
0: I think this is an extremely interesting topic. I can't believe that this isn't more out there. Even the ones that are easily debunked. Or- yeah, by simple animals or people. Super interesting. Like even though the Tennessee Wild Man. That is something that I want to do once I can get away from some of these episodes here. I want to look that up. So that might be an episode all on its own. Who knows? That'd be cool. Pretty much wraps up the stories that we have for the missing 411. If anybody listening to this wants to hear more stories, just let us know in the comment section or email us at infiniterabbithole@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Let us know. We want to do things that you guys want to hear about. So let us know some topics. If you like the missing 411, we can always come back and visit more cases. I love doing this research. I thought it was fun. It's always a fun topic to talk about. But since we're done with stories, we can kind of move into something else. Missing four one one related, and that is the whole upcoming of the national park system in the United States. Well, there's a lot of people who are familiar with Theodore Roosevelt established the national park system here in the United States. While he was president, he established five more national parks and established a lot more after his presidency. He's kind of been known as the conservation president, but there are theories going around that there is a much more cynical reason. As to why he created these national parks, these quote-unquote protected lands. They're public. You can go onto them and do what you will with them. And they're so desolate. They're remote. So much of these national parks are not visited by people very often. So if something was out there, it could pretty much live alone. So two theories. One, that Theodore Roosevelt, who wrote the book The Wilderness Hunter, describes an encounter with a Sasquatch. I don't know if you guys know this, but Theodore Roosevelt had had an encounter with a Sasquatch. Did Theodore Roosevelt create the National Park System to help protect lands so that Bigfoot or Sasquatch could have a place to live? Yes. That is something that is going around. That's pretty woo-woo, right? But not as woo-woo as the second thing. The second thing is that the reason why you get so many strange disappearances at National Forest is because the National Forest system was built around portals to other dimensions or universes.
1: Ooh.
0: Okay, that's pretty woo-woo. Yeah. Episode six. <laughs> so, what do you think about this? These strange disappearances happen. I mean, if you believe in things such as portals to other dimensions and that other dimensions exist and other universes could exist, throwing out that Mm-hmm. Some of these disappearances are attached to portals into other dimensions, or a being coming into another dimension, grabbing this person, bringing them to their dimension, doing what they will with them, and then bringing their body back and laying them down. A lot of these stories that we went over in this show alone can be backed by that evidence, but that's that's pretty woo-woo stuff, you know what I mean? So I'm curious, what are your guys' opinions on either? these are natural homes that are set aside by the United States for homes for Sasquatch or that these are areas that are portal heavy that the U S government knows about. See, I would believe the, the Sasquatch thing, but a majority of these you're allowed to hunt on. True. But how deep are people really going? I mean, and these national parks are gigantic.
2: Yeah, they're huge. I remember going to the Sequoia national forest, uh, one of our detachments to California. When we were at VX1, we had to have driven, I don't know, two hours in and when that wasn't even all the way, it was massive. It Like it blew my mind how big it is, you know, and there was like 4,000 feet of elevation change following the main road. That's just one part. And there is tons of area that you can see that you can't like get to unless hike days. So who's to say? Sure. it's a, It's a possibility. I don't know if it's necessarily just for Sasquatch because, I mean, there's tons of other wildlife there that might have been part of it, you know?
1: Area 51 has a Sasquatch.
2: (laughs) I I don't know about that. Area 51 is
0: strange in its own sense. Uh, It doesn't need Bigfoot to be weird.
1: See, that was my theory. There's a guy came out after he retired from there and told all the secrets, and since he was so public, they messed his family up.
0: Talking about Bob Lazar? Yeah. Yes. So what do you guys think? Bigfoot, right? Cool, whatever. What do you guys think about the portal thing? Like these are hotbeds or known portals by the U.S. government for interdimensional travel and that beings are known to come out of portals. I don't know if you guys are aware, but in Utah, the Skinwalker Ranch.
2: thats uh, That's got some fun stories <laughs> attached.
0: I would be lying to you if I didn't say that we got an episode coming up about the Skinwalker Ranch sometime
2: in the future. I've, I've looked into that place and man, it sounds awesome.
0: Such a creepy place. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. There is a book. I, I think it's just called Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. or the Hunt for the Skinwalker. What a crazy book that is.
2: Another podcast I listened to did a whole series on it. It was like three or four episodes long and it was just like a wild ride from front to back. There's a lot that's happened there. I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to ruin any, uh, Points you want to go over whenever you do that episode but it's pretty pretty wild anybody listening to
0: this if you're still listening to this if anybody listens all the way to the end if you guys want to hear about the skinwalker Branch, let us know it's a topic that we're all interested in so we'd be more than happy to do
2: it i mean that's pretty much it that's what i got for missing 411 there's definitely been some strange events surrounding some of these disappearances and whatnot it's it's hard to say at the same time you know because there's there's very little evidence going either way, whether it was something government conspiracy or some type of cryptid took these people. Who knows? But uh, talking about your uh, your point about there being the national parks being places where portals are located or whatever, who knows? Maybe that would explain why there's so so much military activity around a lot of these national parks and whatnot. Trying to think of like reasons why military would be out there other than like training, right? All of us having been military or prior military, they call anything a training exercise, whether it actually was or wasn't.
0: You ever seen the movie or read the book, The Mist?
2: I've seen the movie. I haven't read the book.
0: Yeah, I think it was like the Arrowhead Project or something like that, where they were dealing with uh, creatures from other dimensions and they come in with the mist and just kill everybody.
2: What was it? Was they accidentally uh, cut open a rift where that part of that dimension bled into ours? Or whatever and that's how that those creatures and whatnot got here there's talk of doing that now we're trying to learn more about our own universe and whatnot and using i can't remember the actual name of it but the super colliders i guess they're afraid of ripping part fabric of space-time and whatnot electron electron yeah that's it electron super collider maybe it's not necessarily related to that but like to what extent that we push the limits there's a lot of theories surrounding it that are very, uh, very interesting uh, reads and whatnot. But um, I think what's so strange about that is
0: that you have scientists that deal with it sh- that are way smarter than than I ever will be in my life that are afraid to do it for that purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's what scares me, man. I mean, if these people are like, man, I don't know, we might rip open the fabric of our universe and bleed into another one, or create a black hole.
2: Movies like uh, The Mist, and uh, uh what the heck was it called? Uh, the whole first movie was like a whole like handheld camera thing. uh Cloverfield, Cloverfield, the whole Cloverfield series of movies the last one where they have like the giant electron super collider on that space station, the Cloverfield paradox. That's it. Yeah. And that's how the main creature from the first Cloverfield movie ended up being on earth. Right. Going back to uh, our multiverse episode, we talked about how there could be an alternate universe where it's the equivalent of hell. Maybe that's, what's there creatures like that things that we could never imagine. And that would explain why the, an army came through and said, Get the f- off of this land. We got this. Or maybe there's there's like an underground facility where they're doing some type of testing. You know, uh, who knows? Just say that's a good
0: point, too. What if there's secret government facilities underneath the national parks, or they're
2: being stolen and experimented on, or they stumble across something they're not supposed to see? We already know there's thousands of cave systems throughout the U.S., right? And who knows how interconnected they are. We don't even know about every single cave there is. Obviously, maybe there's some type of facilities that are in these some of these case systems and whatnot. What would be the best way to hide something like that is you let people come on the land, but you like basically kind of dictate how far and they can go uh, to an extent. It's strange in a national park, you could easily say a wild animal, a bear or a mountain lion or something grabbed this person or child. Mountain lions are hired by the government to take these kids. I'm not, I'm not going that far.
1: I'm just,
0: I'm just kidding. I, yeah,
1: I think I think there's a, like, I think we only know about like ten percent of things that go on in this world.
0: So, does anybody have anything else to add? If not, I'm just going to close this out.
1: Well, I did, but apparently, it's not what I thought it was.
0: Okay, I mean, if you guys don't have anything else to add, we're good, right? We should do two podcasts. We should do another podcast on like movie
1: reviews. Scary movie reviews. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's
0: not a bad idea. Not, not right now. I mean, dude, I'm tired of shit. But...
1: No, not tonight. I didn't watch any scary movies yet.
0: Okay. On that note, that's it from the Missing 411 episodes. If anybody wants to hear anything else, let us know. We, we love talking about this topic. If you have a topic that you want to hear us talk about, let us know in the comments on Facebook or let us know at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. Wes, thanks for coming out.
2: Yeah, always a great time
0: derek thanks for coming out and uh, we'll see you next time
2: thank you for joining us on this episode if you'd like to comment on this episode you can do so on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole if you have a story to share with us or would like to be interviewed you can contact us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com thank you again and have a great day
1: Can I should I talk about what happened on the fucking podcast, or just tell
0: him what happened? I mean, whatever, man. If you want to put it on the podcast, I'll oh, we he put on the fucking podcast. I suppose those
1: motherfuckers. Don't tell him. <laughs> oh, I got you. He's crazy. Yeah. Back to the whole thing. So I'm sitting here like freaking <laughs> out. Yeah, I'm sitting here freaking out that my like they. D- I don't know if it's some kind of coincidence, or if these files have like a self-destructing encryption e- e- encryption into them. I don't know, but fourteen files just vanished in the air, and then my roommate—he lives in the other room over here. He comes in
0: my room,
1: and he's like, "Is it just me, or does it sound like he's going into the matrix?" And I was like, no, why?"
0: Yeah, Derek, (laughs) you're—are you hardwired? Your Ethernet cable plugged in?
1: No, hold on. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right, all right. So this is episode two. You're yelling into the mic and I'm you gonna do to, that. I'm gonna have to edit that. Oh my That's god. It's gonna suck. You have no idea, dude. It sucks doing that. I don't know the distance.
1: I'll just sit back here and do it. No, dude.
0: Come on. Just don't yell. Try to keep the same tone. All right. Come on. Come on. Because if you're back there, it's gonna sound like shit too. <laughs> Jeez, Derek. What am I gonna do with you?
1: So Diana Cox is two years old. She's from uh Butte, Montana, I believe. But uh, what?
2: I think but. it's pronounced
1: "you." "You." Are you sure? I'm pretty That's sure. how David Pallades
2: said it. So I'm gonna say it. Go ahead. <laughs> they don't want to be the butt of every joke. Yeah. yeah so. got <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny.